because we had the choir cantata this morning, we also, um, for the sake of time, are rolling in the uh, pastoral prayer or intercessory prayer uh, with the prayer right before the sermon. Uh, there are a few updates that I wanted to uh, give to you to remember in prayer uh, today and over the, the coming week. Uh, first of all, uh, several of you had heard that Wayne McKinney was uh, taken to the hospital on Friday. Uh, it looked like pneumonia. Turns out that it was not pneumonia, that uh, it was some type of blood poisoning. And um, the antibiotics are doing their job. Uh, he is feeling a lot better. Saw him yesterday, and he is expecting to be released from the hospital today. So uh, we're thankful to God in that regard. Uh, Walter Snook has been in rehab for four weeks. Um, after breaking his leg, also uh, having hip replacement. And uh, they told him, I guess, just in the last couple of days that he's got four more weeks. So um, uh, he's, I think it's just calls, visits. Uh, he's over at the, uh, I think it's Brandon Rehab, the one just west of the post office on um, on the, what is it? Oakfield, yeah. So um, I saw him yesterday as well. So uh, be in prayer for him. And Ann Dixon, you know, we were wondering if she was going to make it through uh, the surgery she had up in Cleveland. Uh, she made it through the surgery. She's been in ICU. I haven't heard an update from her sons. Uh, please keep her in your prayers as well. Um, and like I said, she, she made it through the surgery, and, uh, and we are thankful for that. And I think that was probably the, the most difficult part uh, for her. Please hear the Word of God. Uh, our scripture text is from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Uh, it's printed in your bulletin. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank You for the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We thank You that this salvation um, can be our possession not because of uh, righteous things we could ever do, not because of um, any goodness in our hearts, rather, it is the free gift that You have given us in Your Son, Jesus Christ. His death in our place. His resurrection for our justification. His intercession for us at Your right hand has done everything needed for our salvation. 
And Father, as we survey the glories of this salvation, and as we at the very same moment survey the wretchedness, self-centeredness, sins that our heart produces, our rebellions against You, our worldliness. God, we are humbled to the very depths of our being that You would give us such a great salvation, such an undeserved salvation, such a glorious salvation, and that You would send Jesus Christ to that awful cross in order to secure it for us. And then we think that there are many who live here in this world and then die in their sins without Jesus Christ. God, we are further humbled. For why were we made to, to have tasted this gift? Why were we allowed to have such a wonderful salvation that others do not? God, it is our prayer on this resurrection morning that You would multiply the Gospel not only here in Brandon, but across our nation, and not only in our nation, but in every nation. For You have promised that people from every tribe, from every language, from every nation, would call Christ their King. And so we pray that You would infest and transform every nation, every institution of every nation, every family of every nation, that there would not be one area left that has not been touched and changed by the Gospel. Father, I pray that there would not even be one square inch where Christ has not said, Mine. Father, I ask that even this morning, this glorious resurrection morning, that the Gospel would go forth with power and bring great glory and honor to Your holy name. Father, we lift up those that we have mentioned for Ann Dixon, we pray that you would be with her as she is has traveled up to to Cleveland, Ohio, for this uh, surgery. She is there um, without her friends. We thank you that her family is with her. We ask God that you would be with her, that you would stand beside her, that you your comfort and your presence would be um, very well known uh, to her and her soul. Father, we pray for Walter. Um, we ask that you would give him the patient endurance to, um, 
to not only get through these four weeks uh, in rehab, but to rejoice in you. Father, and we also thank you for Wayne, that uh, he is making such a quick recovery. We ask that you would continue to be with him, be with his wife, Kathy, and she's also been suffering um, under a cold as well. And I know that there are many here in our congregation who are not feeling well. Father, I also... Um, Think of uh, Selena McQuaid as she's uh, getting ready to, to have surgery uh, here very soon as well. Be with her. Be with, be with all of us, Lord. We need you so much. And we know that you love us so much. So we ask these things boldly in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Also asking that you would bless not only the reading, but also the proclamation of your holy word. Amen. If you would turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. I have an outline on the back of your bulletin. Um, you can disregard it. As I thought through... Um, more and more I realized that this would be a shorter service, and so um, I'm basically only dealing with sub-point one of the first point. Now, you've learned that when I tell you that I'm making something uh, shorter, that you can basically disregard that because it's never shorter. But that's my intention. <laughs> For those of us who are Christians. This day is not simply another religious holiday or a sacred observance. This day is a celebration of an event. An event that stands at the very center of our lives. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, the Apostle Paul wanted to encourage Timothy, uh, his young apprentice, Paul knew that Timothy was, entering, was going to be entering into an intense period of suffering in his life. And we know from reading First and Second Timothy and also from uh, the, the Acts of, of the Apostles that Timothy was a timid young man. But being Paul's right-hand man, Timothy was also considered a leader in the church. And because he was a leader in the church, Paul knew that he was going to be attacked, that he was going to be falsely accused, and that Timothy might even possibly be imprisoned or even executed by the Roman authorities who were opposed to Christianity. And so Paul wanted to encourage Timothy. And the strongest encouragement that he could give to Timothy was to tell him, in verse 8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. This short phrase, composed of only seven simple words, is indeed a powerful encouragement. The fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central fact of the Christian faith. The fact of the resurrection means that Christ is the living and reigning Lord of the universe. The fact of the resurrection means that Christ has paid the full price for our sins. The fact of the resurrection 
means that Christ, or I'm sorry, that Christians can look forward to our own resurrection from the dead. The fact of the resurrection means that because Christ has risen from the dead, we live every moment of our lives in the presence of our risen Lord. The fact of the resurrection means that the resurrection of Christ is the central fact of history. All of history began because God was going to bring Christ into the world to bring glory to Himself through His death and resurrection. All of history since looks back on the cross as the center point of history. All of history is moving toward that glorious time when because Christ was resurrected, He will return again and come for His own. The fact of the resurrection is something you simply cannot ignore. The resurrection of Jesus Christ affects everything. I want us to spend just these few moments together considering or remembering Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And it is my sincere desire that in so doing, your faith may be strengthened, that it may be fortified. Or if you don't have faith in Christ, that you will come to yourself personally and trust yourself to Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. Let me just make one note here. Um, as I was reading earlier this week a sermon by Robert Murray McShane. Uh, he's one of my favorite uh, preachers. He lived back in the early 1800s, died when he was 31 years old. I've been rereading his biography and was rereading also just some of his sermons. And he made a point about um, Christ coming here to earth not for himself. And it struck me. And I wanted to give him credit because I brought some of his thoughts here into um, my, uh, my sermon this morning. Everything that Jesus did while He was here on earth, including His suffering and His death, He did not do for Himself. Uh, this, this is one of those things I've known but it really did strike me, and I hope it will strike you this morning. Jesus Christ consented to come into this world, to take on human flesh, to become a human being in order to offer Himself for sinners. He came into this world because He loved sinners. Had He come into this world only for Himself, His, he, would have been, he would have appeared to us to be a very different person. He would not have hidden His divinity underneath His humanity. In fact, every human being would have fled from His majestic holiness in utter panic and dread because Jesus Christ is the holy, holy, holy God. But He did not come for Himself. 
He came to earth as a human being in order to die for sinful human beings. Jesus Himself said, I came not to serve... I'm sorry, I came not to... I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Every moment of Jesus' life, He lived for this purpose. He was willing to be born into this world as a helpless baby. He was willing to be subjected um, to His parents when He was a child. He was willing to suffer the insults of sinful human beings. He was willing to suffer the hatred and the worst form of death that man has ever created. All because He so loved sinners. He lived here on earth and He delighted to obey all of God's commandments, not to earn His way into heaven, but rather to earn righteousness for us so that we could go into heaven, so that He could clothe us with His righteousness, so that we could stand before our righteous God. If Christ had come into this world only for Himself, He would have endured no sufferings. In fact, He could have vaporized anyone who insulted Him. And if He only came for Himself, He would not have needed to die on the cross. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that summarizes perfectly why Jesus Christ came into the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, God made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Christ as if He were sin from head to foot. And then God charged Him guilty. But He was guilty with our sins. Did Christ refuse to be charged with these sins? Did He say, I did not commit these sins. I will not bear the punishment for them. No, He did not refuse. He wore our sins as a garment in order that He might take our punishment. The full extent of God's wrath that should have been poured out upon us was poured out upon Him. Christ went to the cross for sinners. Christ died for sinners. Christ submitted His his body to the grave for three days for sinners. And Christ rose gloriously from the dead for sinners. What Christ did for fallen humanity has momentous implications. First, because Christ selflessly came and secured salvation for sinners, first of all, it means that you can't save yourself. In fact, there is nothing you can do to assist Christ in procuring or securing your salvation. Your good works, your good intentions, your good attempts to please God can do nothing in order to help you 
or to help Jesus save you. He has done it all. All you can do is entrust yourself to Him. And all that He did uh, for you, what He does when you trust in Him, He transfers all that He did for you into your account. He paid for your sins. You get the benefit. He was perfectly righteous. You get His righteousness. He is the faithful Son of God. You become children of God. He rose from the dead. You will be resurrected to life forever in His presence. He has done it all. He has given you all. Because He lived a perfect life, you can be declared righteous. Because He paid the price for your sins, you can be forgiven. Because He endured the wrath of God, you can escape God's fury. Because He went to the grave, you can live forever. Because He rose from the dead, you can be raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. This is what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. Uh, This is what it means when it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves, is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. There's a second momentous implication. And that is, because Christ rose from the grave... This life is not all there is. There's a spiritual realm where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And it's not off in some far off galaxy. Rather, best I can tell, it's in, a, it's in another dimension that is very near to us. If you remember um, Acts chapter 6 and 7, when uh, Stephen was being stoned, he was the first Christian martyr. And as he was being stoned, he looked into heaven and saw Christ standing at the right hand of God. God is very near to us. Christ is very near to us. In fact, if you were a believer, Christ has made His home in your heart by by His Spirit. Part of your own physical makeup is spiritual. You have a soul. Now, we have five senses by which we experience this world. We also have a culture that tells us how to think about this world that is uh, very sense-oriented, very secular. Um, We even have this flesh, metaphorically speaking. Um, We have desires... Um, that still live inside us even though we're believers that try and tell us that this life is all there is. (laughs) We fight against our senses, against our culture, even against our own desires. But at a deeper level, we know that there's something more. God has placed eternity in all of our hearts. We know that there's an ultimate lawgiver 
who has determined what is right or wrong. We know there's a judge of the universe that is, who is going to right every wrong. We know there's a Creator who fashioned this world with beauty and order. We know there's a God who is pursuing humanity even though we have rebelled against Him. And Christ's resurrection is God's pledge that what our souls are telling us is true. But we don't need our souls to tell us because God's Word tells us very clearly without equivocating that these things are true and that Christ rose from the dead. God's Word tells us that God entered into our world um, and He did so by taking on human flesh. And when Christ came into this world as a human being, He told us His mission. My mission, He says, is to seek and to save the lost. He secured our salvation by His death and by His resurrection. And because Christ gloriously rose from the grave, you cannot take God for granted. For granted, even for one moment. You simply cannot treat Him as a spiritual coping mechanism or a heavenly bellhop. He is present. He is engaged. And He will not be pushed to the sideline or take a secondary area of your life. This life is not all there is. Christ has risen from the, the grave. He is the Lord of this life. And He is the only Savior for your souls. A third implication is that because Christ rose from the grave, you can live a different life. In fact, you will live a different life if you were in Him. When you entrust yourself to the risen Savior, He does not let you remain as you are. He changes you. He totally transforms you. He transforms your desires. He transforms your ethics. He transforms your priorities. He even transforms your ways of thinking. And the biggest changes are these. God and His priorities become most important for you. Also, you began to love others a whole lot better than you were able to love them before. And you become more merciful. These are the major changes that Christ brings in you when He transforms you. You love God and you love people. Oh, how wonderful the world would be if every person entrusted themselves to Jesus Christ. Have you entrusted yourself to Jesus Christ? Has your life been transformed by God? Do you want it to be transformed by God? What is it that would keep you this morning from coming to Him? And then the fourth and last implication 
of Christ's resurrection from the grave is this, and there were there are many more. I'm just going to limit us to this final one. Because Christ rose from the grave, we can be certain that He is coming back to judge the world in righteousness just as He has promised. This world has a shelf life. This world will not continue for all eternity. There are untold wrongs and injustices that are inflicted upon people every day. We are fallen creatures and we act out our fallen natures upon each other. One individual wrongs another. One nation manipulates another nation. One government opposes a citizenry. There must be an accounting. God is a just God. Jesus Christ, because of His resurrection, assures us that He is coming back as a righteous judge to make all things right. The Bible says that all humanity will be gathered in mass before the Lord Jesus Christ, before His judgment seat. The books will be opened and Christ will be seated upon the judge's bench. Humanity will be separated before Him. The sheep on His right, the goats on His left. In some fashion, I don't know how, Christ is going to judge every wrong, each manipulation, each lie. He's going to judge all wickedness. Those on His left will be found guilty and they will be banished from His presence because they will be devoid of the righteousness that they need. They will be their sins will still be counted against them because they don't have a Savior. Those on His right will be acquitted. Not because they are sinless. Not because they had never sinned. Rather, because Christ the Judge came and paid the penalty for them by suffering the Father's wrath for their sins. Christ the Judge died on that cross and bled on that cross was buried in the grave for three days and was resurrected for our justification. He is our standing on the day of judgment. And so this glorious, beautiful resurrection morning that is now barely passed over into the afternoon. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ and trust yourself to Him. Renew your faith and your trust in Him. And if you have never entrusted yourself to Him, do it without delay. Let's pray. Almighty God, again we thank You for our Lord Jesus. He who the grave could not contain He who did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. I pray that You would help us all
to entrust ourselves to Him. He is our security. He is our safe haven. He is our Savior. And so we pray in His name. Amen.